church. God is good. <laughs> well, um, I think it's been interesting what God's been saying to the church over the last couple of weeks. I don't know how many have been um, sort of following the trend. I just went back in my notes, and two weeks ago, John Wondero was here. And I, you know what he talked about? He talked about the heart. He talked about how his heart was steadfast to God through a time of huge upheaval that he's been through. And it's, it's amazing that right now, many pastors that we're connected with are having a huge upheaval. Pastor Kong is having a huge upheaval. He's just grown steadily and gone from strength to strength, but right now, God is shaking. God is shaking his church. But God is also wanting to see hearts that are steadfast to him through this time of shaking. And then last week, um, Ian was speaking. And the one thing that I remember about that message was Jonah in the belly of the whale with weeds around his head turning and crying out to his God. And I still feel to keep this theme about our hearts, because God is really on, on our hearts. I don't know if you realize it, but right now we're actually having an apostolic reformation. We've set an apostolic um, governance in this house, and the house is being in a time of shifting and turmoil, which means our hearts are going to have to be enlarged, our thoughts are going to have to change. Our thinking is going to have to be rearranged. Some stuff is going to have to come out of our hearts, which is not going to be helpful for this next season ahead. So I was just thinking that the last verse that um, John read out, I, I looked up again, and he's talking about some reformation in the Old Testament. And I thought um, Aza's reformation was interesting. In 2 Chronicles 15, verse 8, um, yeah, John, John finished with this verse, and I thought it's a powerful verse about reformation because the same sort of thing is happening now as we're going through a reformation. 2 Chronicles 15 verse 8 and, um, and this is Asa and, um, and where is it? For the eyes uh, yeah, and when Asa heard these words because the Lord was speaking to them a prophet had come and talked to them and he took courage now, this is an important thing that we're going to have to take at this time because it takes courage to change. <laughs> We've got to be a courageous people, but God has put courage in us. He took courage and he removed the abominable idols from the land of Judah and he restored the altar of the Lord. So when this change, it takes courage to get rid of stuff that's around us that's actually something that God doesn't like and start to restore and in that part of our life, restore the altar of the Lord. And a few pages over in, in um, Chronicles, we've got Hezekiah going through a, a reformation. And Hezekiah 29 verse 3, he said, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house. Now, where's our house? <laughs> when God talks about the sanctuary now, he's talking about our own house. And he wants us to open the doors of our own house now because... We've got to carry out the rubbish. <laughs> We've got to carry the rubbish out from the holy place. So right now, what's in your heart? My title is, What's in Your Heart? Faith or a hornet's nest? We're going to talk about a hornet's nest later. But what is in our heart? Because God wants us to be people of faith. And, and, and faith has to be in our heart. 
So I just want to talk a bit about the heart. Some people don't actually understand the difference between heart and spirit. You kind of get the whole words muddled up. Now, your spirit. Your spirit is where the spirit of God dwells. And uh, the spirit is perfect because the Holy Spirit dwells there. And, and as Cecilia shared, God won't withhold any good thing from us. He didn't spare his son, and he's given us his Holy Spirit, and it's dwelling within us, and with him comes all things pertaining to life. The Zoe, the life of God, resides in our spirit. There's nothing we cannot do, actually, through God. He always causes us to triumph. Through God, we can do valiantly, and we have a very powerful spirit. And our spirit knows all things. But the problem is our heart. <laughs> Everything in our spirit gets filtered through our heart to get expression in our soul and in our body. So it's the heart that's our problem. And uh, we have, we're told to guard our heart. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of your heart are all the issues of life. Like out of your heart. Okay, so what your heart is full of overflows. It has to express itself. Whatever's in the heart will come out. It actually comes out your mouth. <laughs> Just listen to people talk, and after a while you know what's in their heart. It has to express itself. So that's, that's a good way to know what's in your heart, or what other people's hearts. Just, just, just listen, and whatever you receive from God is actually determined by your heart. Because it's all within there, but your heart kind of doesn't want to know about some of it. It filters it out. And the heart's like a, like a, a filter, like a lens. It, it blocks out a lot of stuff. But this is, this, is, this is true. What is in your heart will come out your mouth. <laughs> your thoughts are the doorkeeper of your heart. So if you want to open your heart up, you've got to change your thoughts. <laughs> God wants us to open up our heart because he wants to get in there. So a lot of our thoughts are going to have to change. So if you get into your condition, you've got to change your thoughts. And you might find that some of your thoughts are being challenged. <laughs> I find mine are all the time. The heart always expresses what it really believes. Okay? And your environment is a reflection of what you think of yourself. So the Garden of Eden was actually an expression of what God was like. Beautiful, magnificent, full of lovely rivers and beautiful things. But what's your bedroom like? <laughs> it's a reflection of you. What's your office desk like? It's a reflection of you. <laughs> yeah. Your beliefs may be based or limited or distorted information. You actually might be thinking wrong about some things. We actually can have limited information and, and we get quite distorted about some things. You know, there's a story, there's uh, three little boys that are looking through a little hole in a circus tent and they're looking at an elephant. But one boy, through his little hole, scored a skinny tail. So, ah, it looks like a skinny snake in there. One looked through the circus tent and he was looking at the ears. He said, ah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's got big wings. Another one was looking at its, its, its legs. Ah, it's like a big trunk of a tree. You see, your heart is like your perspective. It's just like what you see, and it may not be the whole picture. But it's what you see, and it's real to you. 
And, and we need to get now God's perspective on some of this stuff so we get a good picture because we can get quite deceived. Like the Bible says, you can be deceived by riches. You can actually think money's going to make you really happy. Why do you think a pile of dirty notes with Queen's head on it's going to make you happy? I don't know. But you feel good because of what you can do with all that money. But you know, there's a man in the Bible called Judas who thought money was going to make him happy. And then he didn't like the man he'd become in the process. He couldn't live with himself. So he was deceived. And a lot of people are like that. You can be deceived by what you think is going to make you happy. The Bible talks about the deception of sin because it's only good for a season. You have the pleasures of sin for a season. You know, it was, feels good for a while. But it doesn't actually let you know ahead of time what it's going to be like down the track. Maybe you think your cigarettes going to make you feel so good. But it doesn't tell you when you're coughing away with emphysema or lung cancer and your loved ones are looking after you and it's terrible. That's the end of the matter. But you just see for a while this is going to make me feel so good. <laughs> so some of our information is, is deceit, deceit, you know, we can be deceived. And, um, but uh, our, our, heart, our heart is really what determines our life. Um, and when you repent, the word pent comes from the word penthouse, which is up the top, which is the way God thinks. So when you repent, you change your thoughts and actually start to agree with God. That's what repentance is all about. Actually acknowledging what I thought, shucks, it was all wrong. <laughs> it was only partly true. I was deceived. And actually it came out of my own lens of rejection. It came out of my own lens of anger. You know, it came out of my own lens of, you know, what sort of things you're looking for? You're prejudiced, you fear. These are like your lens, your peeping hole. And you look through this lens and your information you get is actually kind of all not, not, not right. It's just it's distorted. And so God is showing us some of the junk in our heart <laughs> so that we can repent. Isn't it good? Isn't it good to have a reformation? We're going to be so good when we've got all the filth out of the holy place. <laughs> anyway, your thinking becomes your reality. So if you think money's evil, and I actually know a young man who had a problem with money because his parents were chasing money and, and he never saw his parents much and he thought, I don't like money. Money makes our family unhappy. And so he didn't have any because he got rid of all the money he had because he thought money was evil. But it's because that's what was in his heart and affected his attitude to money. If you think God's mean, you won't have any relationship with him because you'll run away from him. <laughs> Who wants to get around a mean man that's going to point out all your faults and tell you how terrible you are? I'd run away from that. A lot of religious people think God's like that. But he's not like that. He's made provision for our sin. He's, he loved us so much, he took it all. And there's no punishment for us. We've just got to trust him and lean into him. He's not mean. He's loving. He's good. If you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can, you're also right. Because what you think is what you have. Okay? What you think will be your reality. Because as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he has. So our heart's incredibly powerful um, part of our life to, 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 to guard. What you believe, you and, and see, what you believe, you're either attract. If, if you really believe something, you'll attract that to you. Or you'll repel. So, um... You'll ignore all the incoming information that's inconsistent with what you believe. 
You know, you, you found yourself doing that? You can see people aren't even listening. They just don't believe what you're saying. It doesn't even go in at all. You can tell. They're shut off to it. And if, if, if you've got a positive belief, if you're really thinking positively, you'll actually will refuse negative stuff. But if you're a negative kind of person, you'll actually refuse positive stuff. You don't like it when you're having a gripe and a grizzle and a complaining and a critical thing. Someone says something positive. You, you pull away from those sort of people. You want people to agree with what you believe. So this is what your heart's like, and that's why God is very uh, concerned about our hearts at the moment. But you know, your believing is a choice. You actually can choose what you believe. You're not a victim. <laughs> God's going to deal with victim mentality. You wait till Mike gets back. He's on a, he's on a war against victim mentality. Yeah. I get it all the time. <laughs> it's victim speaking. <laughs> so I'm working on myself. I'm empowered. Yeah. I can change my beliefs and my thoughts. <laughs> and we can be transformed. We can actually renew our mind and shift our thinking. Yeah. This is the good news. Yeah. It's within your power to shift your thinking. You have two people. One sees possibilities, one sees problems. I've heard the story, people go to Africa and see all the people bare feet. Some people came back, it's terrible, people haven't got any shoes, it's so sad. Someone goes, ah, it's a great place to go and sell shoes. (laughs) You ask the Chinese, you know, they're quick to come up with an opportunity to sell. Sars are on there, the first thing with all the things that they need. It's an opportunity for business. For someone else, it's terrible doom and gloom. What's in your heart? You either think potential, possibilities, opportunities, or you think, this is a terrible world and it's getting worse. <laughs> so your heart is very... Same in church. Remember John was sharing on Sunday night when he was here about the, the um, different soil conditions. Soil conditions are your heart. Now someone can stand here and preach the gospel, preach the good news that you don't have to worry about sin, Because Jesus died for you. He took your sin. And if you respond to him, he'll come and into your spirit and dwell with you. And you can be a friend of God forever. And you can go away and say, yeah, and respond to the gospel. Today you can do that. You can respond. If your heart is soft, you can come up and think, wow, that is good news. I can be made righteous by what Jesus Christ did. I want that today. I don't want to live with all this crap around my life. I want to be cleansed and made righteous by the blood of Jesus because he's made provision. What a great heart. Let's hope your heart's like that today if you don't know the gospel and haven't received it. But someone else can come and it's a stumbling block to them. Oh, I don't like a woman preacher. Mike should have been here. <laughs> Why isn't he here? And, um, you know, and think of all the negatives, all the reasons why, why you shouldn't respond. And... Um, and, and, and you actually go out unchanged. Hard heart. Okay? So whether you respond to the truth is, or not is entirely dependent on your heart condition. And actually, I don't think we realize how hard our heart can be. Because um, we actually filter out a lot of stuff that God wants us to hear and know. And um, there's two, two... Oh, this is the verse that John finished with. Sorry, it wasn't the other one. Zechariah 7.12. This is the verse that he finished with. He said, they made their hearts like flint. See, that's a hard heart. People can make your your heart can become hardened. It can become calloused. It can become seared. And, um, 
and, and they refused to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit. So your heart can actually become hardened and not receive things. And we don't even notice the state of our heart, really, until God starts to show us. And um, this is what he wants to do now. And another verse in Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, as I said, the life of God is in our spirit. But we can be alienated from all the life of God that is in us um, because of the ignorance that's in you, because of the blindness of your heart. See, our heart can be blind. And we, we can be blind and unable to receive the things of God. It's actually a very good study to look at all the reasons why we get blind in heart. But if our heart is blinded, um, we don't, again, receive the life of God. We're alienated from it. It's there for us, but because of our heart condition, we're, we're not able to um, draw on it. That's why I love Luke 4.18. Jesus said, the anointing is upon me to heal broken hearts, to set captives free, to open blind eyes. And that's our internal eyes. He actually wants to give you new vision, new spiritual vision. He wants to open your blind eyes. Okay. So how do we know the condition of our heart? What's one test we can have to see what, um, whether our heart is, is straight and aligned with God or whether it's a bit skewed? One test is in Proverbs 17, 20. It's a little test. You can run past yourself at any time. See what comes out of your mouth. As I said, what's in your heart actually comes out of your mouth. And in, in Proverbs 17, 20, it says, He that's got a deceitful heart or a heart that's crooked doesn't, finds no good. You can't find good in anything. So what do you like? Do you find good in most situations? In the midst of hassles, are you expecting everything to work out? Are you expecting God to come through? It's a good test of what your heart's like. Do you actually find good? And if you find people that are going on, how come people don't do stuff for me? Nobody likes me. Maybe their heart needs adjusting. <laughs> Maybe they're choosing to judge or to blame or to criticize. So that's a good test. Just do you see good? We're losing three pastors. Oh, things aren't going to be very good. We're losing everybody. Oh, doom and gloom. Can you see good? Can you see God's going to raise up people that are here and are starting to emerge like we had Sue here today. We had Joseph there. We've got me here. We've got Sergeant here. There's all people out there that are going to emerge and fill the vacuum. Besides, God's rearranging the church. Maybe he wanted to clear the slate so he can shape it differently. God is in control. It's all good. <laughs> hey, if you've got faith in your heart and you're aligning with what God, otherwise your things are getting really bad around there. <laughs> okay, faith is in your heart. That's important to have faith in your heart. Because unless it's in your heart, it's not going to work for you. Because things come out of our heart. So, when the word of God, faith actually means you've got the word of God, what God said out of the word or what he's spoken to you, but it's actually rooted and established in your heart. It's alive in there. Nothing will get it out of there because if it's in your heart properly, it won't be removed. Okay? So if faith is in your heart, um, this is what it looks like. Like Joshua and Caleb. Remember they, went and they sent all the 12 spies into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. 
all the other, oh, the giants, it's too big for us, we're not going to survive, we'll get gobbled up, oh, it's too hard. Ten people. Two people said, no, this is going to be bread for us. We're going to grow on this. This is a challenge, but I love challenges. And if we don't have a few challenges in life, we're never going to grow, but we can do it. And the Bible says they wholly followed the Lord. I love that. Their whole hearts were wrapped around what God says and wholly followed the Lord. Those are men of faith. But look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is a great chapter. It's actually a roll call of all the men of faith, or a lot of men of faith in the Bible. Hebrews 11. And it starts off, I thought it's interesting, it starts off as by faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's a confident expectancy that good things are going to happen. And the evidence of things not seen, we don't often see it yet, but you know it on the inside. And by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Okay, so they spoke good. They had a good report because they had faith in their hearts. So if you've got faith in your hearts, you've got to have a good report. And um, so finding good does not actually depend on circumstances. Joshua and Caleb had a, had a place full of armies they had to rout out and, and difficult situation, but they found good. It wasn't depending on circumstances. What does it depend on? It depends on what you believe about God. Faith depends on what you believe about God, not about the circumstance. So if you really have faith in your heart, if you believe God is good, God is able to work through you, God is able to work through you in Indonesia. God's a good God. He wants to bless people through you. Then you can. If you think, oh, I don't think I can. I haven't had enough experience. But then you can't. <laughs> That's really what you believe. If you believe God's in you, he wants to get out of you, he wants to use you, and he will use you if you're willing and available, he will. Okay. That's what you believe. So shift your believing, team. He wants to work through you. He can work through you. All depends on your heart and your believing and what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. Okay. So my attitude affects my life, not my circumstances. It's your thinking, it's your attitude. Now, some people died in faith. I love verse 13 of this chapter. Some people died in faith and they didn't actually receive their promises. But this is what faith looks like. They saw the promises afar off. They saw it in the spirit. They heard God speak to them. They knew it was real in the spirit. And they were persuaded or assured of them. Actually, in their heart, joined themselves to that truth. And they embraced it. And they confessed it. Wow, that's how faith works. You've got to get that word that God's spoken. And you've got to do those things to it with your heart. You've got to be persuaded that it's true. And that can take a while to persuade your heart, especially if you've got a lot of negative things in there. But you can persuade your heart, constantly going over it, visualizing it, seeing it, believing it, and wrapping yourself around it, confessing it, and speaking it out. That's how faith, faith has a voice. Faith speaks. So this is what faith looks like. I love um, the example of, of this is what faith in your heart. In Daniel 3, actually, I always thought that Daniel was in the, in the fiery furnace. I discovered yesterday that he wasn't, actually. It's the people that hung out with him. So if you hang out with a man of God, look out, because you can end up in trouble. 
He was already been to his testing, but the blokes that hung out with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had their own little test. Ha ha. Uh But they had a strong statement of faith. They were established in their God. I love this. It says in Daniel 3, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Oh, isn't that faith in your heart? My God, he's able to deliver me from this fiery situation. I know my God is able to take me out of the hand of this oppressor. Even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow. Oh, I love that. So that's, that's the heart condition with faith. Okay, what about the, the hornet's nest? Hornet's nest. Now, you may have faith in your heart and, it's, and also something else that's like a hornet's nest. And in, the, in that chapter on faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 32, it mentioned a man in the faith chapter, because God is so good, he, he um, forgives us our sin, and when we stand before him, it's not even there. One of those people in that faith chapter, verse 32, is Samson. We often look at Samson and we see his weakness. God put him in the, in the roll call of all the people of faith, which is wonderful to know that he forgives and forgets. At the same time, through Samson's life, he still had something in his heart that he never really quite got to, got to deal with. And I just want to um, look at Judges, the story of, of, um, of uh, Samson, because he was one of the judges that God used. And he did judge. He judged for 20 years. So he actually did, he was a man of faith, and he, he did um, do a tremendous job. But all the time, he had something in his heart that really um, was a weakness and, and caused him to die in shame. Now, Samson was like this. He actually had a supernatural birth. Who's had a supernatural birth? You'd be born again by the Spirit of God. Yay! And he had to live a different kind of life. Who feels that they're called to live a different kind of life? Yes. He had a destiny on him. He had a destiny and a purpose that God was going to use him to deliver God's people from the Philistines, which are the enemies. Who's got that same call? We're called to deliver the people out of the hand of the enemy. They, they belong to God. He's already paid a price for them. We need to deliver them out of the enemy's camp and bring them into the house of God. But it says in verse um, 25, Judges 13, verse 25, it says, um, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Um, at this place, Mahanai Dan, between Zorai and Ishtael. That's interesting. When the Spirit of the Lord became to came, come upon Samson, it was between two places. And Zora, you know what Zora means? The sting of the hornet. It means a wasp nest. And the other place means seeking the face of God. So here is Samson, and he had actually two pulls on his life. And you might have inside you something that regularly stings you, regularly you know, kind of rucks you up. And also, you, you, we're called to seek the face of God. So this is the hornet says, something in your heart that, um, that is, is um, uh, that it's for us to, um, to live with. Now, actually, he was, if you look through his, his life, he was actually quite an arrogant guy. One of his first bad attitudes he had was to his parents. And God's dealing with our attitudes. That's why we're doing honor's reward. You know, we've got to line up. We're going to honor people we need to honor. 
you know, his, he, he actually saw this Philistine girl, and they weren't supposed to have Philistine wives. And he said to his parents, you go and get it for me. What an arrogant man. He insisted on having this Philistine woman. So he's actually quite arrogant, and he had you know, things in his character that actually weren't refined, weren't good. Um, he, was, he was quite reckless in his power. At one stage, he got 300 foxes. Imagine getting 300 foxes, and he tied a burning torch on them, and he let them all go, and all this grain as, as a revenge for um, taking his wife, giving it to his best man. So that's, that's a pretty recklessly powerful thing to do. But this is the sort of guy he was. He was a bit of a uh, jokester. He made up this riddle about lion and honey and tried to get, you know, get people out of that. He, he, he just sort of had things about him. But his main, his main weakness was his actual lust for woman, something he never really dealt with in his life. It was his, his hornet's nest. But what's your hornet's nest? Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's bitterness or failure. But in crucial times in our life, we can actually make wrong decisions because we've still got in our heart things in our character that haven't been dealt with. And they can, um, in a time of dilemma, when there's one way you can lean into God and seek the face of God, or else you can yield to this other thing that's still alive in your heart. And, and if it's the wrong, crucial decisions in your life. There are times in your life where it's quite crucial. Your whole life destiny can change from these decisions. But this time, it was the hornet's nest that um, got into him, and, and he made several really bad calls in his life because he didn't guard his heart. He had this stuff in his heart that really never got dealt with. You know, nobody can change your heart but you. You can change your heart. You're not a powerless victim. God gives you the ability. You think God does it for you? No. Here's a good verse. Deuteronomy 5, 8, 18. It says that God gives you the ability to get wealth. Does God give you wealth? No. What does he give you? The ability to get wealth. So if you're going to get wealth... You've got to do a few things, okay? You've probably got to have a budget. You've probably got to invest your money right. You've probably got to just start thinking differently about money, doing different things with money. But he'll give you the ability. Okay? And um, it's the same with, with you changing. He'll give you the ability to change. And he actually isn't going to do it for you. You're going to have to do some things. But he'll give you the ability. If you really want to change... God's grace is actually on the church, still on the church very powerfully to help you change. God's ability to change is there. But what does it take on our part? Well, it takes courage. The person that's in, um, in Asa, he, he took courage to, to do what he had to do. You've got to be courageous. It requires, I think, three Ds. First of all, a decision. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to live with this stuff in my heart any longer. You might start to identify what it is. If not, ask your friends. They might be kind enough to tell you. So what comes out of my mouth? Does good stuff come out of my mouth all the time? What's in there that I really need to start to nail now? Because God's transforming us and, and renewing our thinking for the things ahead. So it's time that we make a decision to 
to deal with some of these things that are still in our heart because if they stay there, it could give us a shameful finish when really God wants us to finish victoriously. And you know, if decisiveness releases an energy, once you've made a decision, a tremendous flow of um, energy comes with that. The first thing you've got to say, no, I'm going to deal with this. It's time it went. And I, I bet you did that when you started going and, and working at university and thinking, I'm going to do, I can do this. Took a powerful, courageous decision, Cheyenne. But he's doing it because God's grace and ability is on him. We're so proud of you. And I bet a lot of you are making decisions. Yeah, give him a clap. Yeah. He's done well. And many people are making decisions in your business to break through, stand up, be what God's called you to be. You know, I'm proud of so many people are, are breaking through. And some of you maybe are still wrestling with it. But it's time to make a decision. No, this has got to go now. I'm not going to have this hornet's nest still in my heart. Time it went. So decision. Now, dedication. <laughs> you've got to commit yourself to this thing. You've got to keep working on it. You've got to, you know, you've got to do some things. Now, you go and get some education. You've got to... You know, maybe take the communion every day and say, I'm going to break the stronghold. The blood of Jesus is going to break the power of immorality or bitterness or addictions or wherever it is. You've got to be committed for a season and uh, really work on with dedication, that thing. And then discipline. I'm afraid there's no shortcut. Some of these things, you've just got to do a war on for a while. It may take three months. But to be free of it for the rest of your life, isn't it worth it? Three months of dedication, decision, decision, and then that thing is gone, and your heart is clean of that. It's worth it. And I believe God is really helping us. He says, he said, if you don't rule your own spirit, you're like a city without walls. You know, anything can come in and out and rob you and invade you and take over your life, and, and you're just available for the enemy to come and, 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 um, and take from you. We've got to rule our spirit first. And I believe God's wanting us to reestablish his authority in, in our hearts and in our own spirit. It's in our spirit, but in our hearts. We've got to rule over the inside of us. And so it starts with enthroning Jesus. If you, if you haven't given your heart to the Lord, we can enthrone him in your life by inviting him into your heart. Into your, in opening your heart, having a soft heart and saying yes to Jesus and saying, yeah, I want my life to be lived for him. I want you to come into my spirit and, and work with me and change me and let me be one that fulfills the call on my life. And uh, there may be some people today that really want to respond and say, yep, it's time. It's time I got real with the Lord. It's time I invited him into my heart. Keep my heart soft. I'm not going to let all sorts of prejudices and family thoughts and things that I've heard bandied round about God hinder me from responding to the good news that he's a good God and he loves you and he wants to come into your life and, and change you and work with you. But otherwise, some of us just have to deal with the, the hornet's nest. Make a decision. I'm going to deal with it. His power is within me. You know what? The power is within you because he's within you. And with him comes all things. That's the city. He doesn't withhold any good thing. So the ability to change is within you. 
You don't look to anybody else to make it happen. The power is within you. You've got to believe that for a start. The power is within me to change. Can't blame my husband. Can't blame the church. Can't blame my upbringing. <laughs> Can't blame anybody. Otherwise, I'm a victim. The power is within you to change. Right? That's the truth. It's your embrace it, be persuaded of it. The power is within me to change because God won't withhold any good thing because I love him. He didn't withhold his son. He's not going to withhold from me now the ability to change and get a victory because he's already won the victory. We've just got a few squatters around that we've got to boot out. <laughs> and you just dedicate yourself, declare war on it and um, take a commitment. You know, it's going to take that effort and discipline yourself. Now yield to the truth. Persuade yourself of the truth. Embrace the truth. And be like Caleb and Joshua. Wholly follow the Lord. So when the time of testing comes, it's like a lot of these pastors having a time of testing. Don't let anything in your heart take you out or cause you to fall. Wholly follow the Lord. Because God will give you a time of testing. But God wants us to have a heart that's got faith in it. Faith in it means the word of God is in it, in your heart. Not just in the scriptures not just quoting scriptures. It's actually established in you. Because you put it there. Because you embraced it with your heart. Because you believed it. You're going to confess it and walk in it. And it's going to be a life to you. And what comes out of your heart will be in reality in your life. Right? And God wants all of you out there in the community carrying his life. Letting the life of God flow powerfully through you. Blockages are going to get out of the way. Fear's got to get out of the way. Low self-image got to get out of the way. Insecurity's got to get out of the way. It's all stuff that's a hornet's nest. It's got to go. So you can be who God's called you to be. Amen? Okay. Well, um, take the filthiness out of the holy place. Right, well, we're going to finish now, Sue. I'm going to have the band could come back up. <clears throat> and um, first of all, I want to make sure or see if anybody is here today who has just never given their heart to Jesus. You've just never actually um, heard the gospel with a soft heart and said, yeah, I'm going to deal with my hard heart. I'm going to receive the truth. I'm going to receive that God is good. God has made a tremendous provision for my sin. When he died on the cross, he took my sin. There's no punishment for me. He took it. All I have to do is respond and trust and lean into him and receive the righteousness which he gives me. Maybe we could stand and um, if there's anybody here that's just never responded to Jesus, this can be the day when you receive and enthrone him in your life. So just come forward as we, as we sing this last song. The rest of you, I want you in your own heart, if you are aware of a, an issue in your life, make a decision. Make a decision. I'm going to declare war on that. I'm not going to have anything in my heart like Samson. You know, Samson died and was buried between those two places. The Spirit of the Lord first came on him in this place where he could go either way. And he, even though he, he, um, he served the Lord, he was actually buried between those two places. Still kind of in a torn between, lusting after, you know, even, even, even he wanted vengeance for his eyes. He still had in him a vengeance. I want to do this, get these Philistines all killed as vengeance for my eyes. He still had stuff inside him. When you've got vengeance in your heart, you're not aligned with God. 
God said, vengeance is mine. I'm the one to deal with all the injustices. You just got to forgive and let it go. But Samson still had vengeance. He had, he still had this ambivalence in his life where he never wholly followed the Lord. Even though God was so gracious, said he's a man of faith. And he did serve the Lord, but he died a shameful death. God didn't want him to die in that place. He wanted him to be victorious and fulfilling his destiny. So those that just feel it's time to make a decision, I'm going to deal with a hornet's nest in my heart. I just want you in your heart to, to make a commitment today to say, yep, this is time. I don't want to um, carry this stuff around and affect my destiny. I want to make a decision. And it's my choice. I, I can make that decision. I can't blame anybody else or my circumstances. I choose how my life will be. I choose what comes out of my life. It's my choice. And I can make that choice. I can choose to um, align myself up with God and wholly follow the Lord. Or I can choose to constantly make way for my little pet addictions and um, sin that I, I just, I'm just having the pleasure of for a short season. Actually, the end of the matter is, is very much pain. This seems good for a moment, but it's, you, your thinking's wrong. You're actually deceived by that thing. You're deceived to think it's going to make you feel good. But it's only going to make you feel good for such a short time. And then it's going to cost you heaps. It's going to cost you your life's destiny and calling. But you today can make a decision. I don't want that. And it's more than just a good idea. Because a good idea is not going to cut it. It's actually I've got to do something about this. I've got to make some commitments to, to have good attitudes, make some commitments to stop doing some things and to start cultivating other things. Maybe get rid of some stuff that you've been dwelling on. Just get the, get the filth out of the holy place. Get the filth out of your life. Get, get rid of stuff that's going to hinder you. Because it's time to, to align with God for the purposes and calls he's got for us. So Lord, we just pray that as a church, you'll continue the reformation of our hearts and our thinking. That we will align ourselves with you. That we'll become strong and courageous and able to fight the battle within before we can even take on the battles without. Lord, we don't want to have stuff in us that's going to take us out or hinder us or be blockages. We want to be strong in you. We want to have faith in our hearts and walk with you. Walk with you knowing that you won't withhold anything from us, but we can do all things because we believe it, because it's alive in our heart. We choose to believe that you're on our side, that you'll work with us, and we can do what you've called us to do. Because knowing if we don't believe it, it won't happen. Whatever we believe is what will come out of our life. Lord, we believe and trust in you. We believe that what you're doing in our midst is a mighty work and you're raising us up as a strong church, able to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, able to fulfill the destiny and call you have for us. In the name of Jesus, it says, Amen.